0: What's up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. talks about hockey, uh, all-star hockey, in fact, because there is a huge weekend for the NHL, the Golden Knights, uh, and T-Mobile Arena coming up here that we're excited to dive into. Uh, I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague, David Shane. Dave? What's your excitement level at right now this uh, Wednesday early afternoon?
1: I would say it's uh, all-star level excitement. I'm, uh, I always enjoy the uh, the all-star game. So now that we're on the break and
0: uh, that to look forward to, it, it should, be, uh, should be fun, especially in our backyard. Yeah, it's going to be really cool to have uh, everything here this weekend because, of course, the Knights are currently on their all-star break because all-star weekend is here at T-Mobile Arena, the skills competition is Friday. The All-Star Game is Saturday, and we're going to do a little bit of a preview for that uh, later on in the show, as well as talk about the night's last game before the All-Star break, Uh, plus break down some uh, big business news for the team as well this episode. Uh, But before we get into all of that, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com or in the print section, if you care to pick it up, because I will just say that in Friday's section of the paper, there might be uh, something that you want to actually get your hands on, get a physical copy of. We worked really hard the past you know week or so to uh, cook up some really cool stuff for you guys to kind of preview All-Star Weekend, because it's obviously a very exciting and big deal that it is here. So I would just uh, keep your eyes peeled for that uh, once again in friday's paper or online at reviewjournal.com uh we are presented by blue wire uh if you guys could rate review subscribe whatever you do podcast please do to this one uh we would very much appreciate it we had a special bonus episode for you guys earlier this week where we chatted uh, with golden knights goaltender logan thompson and he kind of dropped a hint i would say as to some news that we're going to be discussing uh, later in the podcast that uh Came out about uh, two days after we recorded our interview with him. Uh, But where I want to start today's episode is actually talking about what we witnessed last night, which was the Golden Knights last game before the All-Star break, which was a 5-2 win against the Buffalo Sabres and featured not one, not two, but a three-player tribute video because Alex Tuck, Cody Eakin, and Peyton Krebs we're all back in T-Mobile Arena for the first time since leaving the Knights organization. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, this question, Dave, which is going to sound bad. It's going to make me sound bad at my job, but, you know, it's also honest. Did you realize that uh, going into last night that that was going to be Cody Eakin's first time back at T-Mobile Arena? Because I 100% spaced on that.
1: No, I didn't. <laughs> I guess I'm terrible at my job, too. Yeah, it didn't. it didn't dawn on me. I mean, it's... I was thinking about something the other day too, and like uh, I was trying to, weigh, you know, that was like writing about the All Star Game and trying to make sure I got the years right. And thinking about, you know, like, well, when was I St. Louis? Uh, you know, twenty one. Like, uh, there's not, this not a year now. So, like, everything's thrown off, and like, it doesn't feel like I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Cody Egan's been gone as long as he has, but I guess he really has. And then, you know, he was up in Canada, and obviously knights didn't play winnipeg so
0: yeah i long answer short i had no idea either yeah well it's super weird because yeah as you said cody Eakin got traded basically just right before the pandemic he actually did play the knights uh with the winnipeg jets who they traded for him uh to uh in winnipeg before kind of the covid shutdown hit the league so it wasn't like you know the first time Cody Eakin played the Knights again. But yeah, it was just weird because obviously you had the division-only schedule uh, last year. And then this was the Knights' first game against Buffalo this season. So uh, it was his first return to T-Mobile Arena since his trade, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Something similar happened the Knights' last road trip where it was Chandler Stevenson's first time back in Washington since getting traded uh, more than two years ago to the Golden Knights. And so that was a weird one to wrap your mind around as well, of kind of these long-awaited reunions finally coming to fruition because, you know, Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck were a little bit more fresh because they were traded in November uh, because of the Jack Eichel deal. Uh, but I think the cool part about it was that uh, certainly in that kind of first media timeout, uh, my face, I think, was like, you know, the embodiment of that uh, Vince McMahon Meme where he's making you know all these different crazy faces where it's like not only you got a Cody Eakin tribute video, you got a Peyton Krebs tribute video, you got an Alex Tuck tribute video. It was a combination Cody Eakin, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs tribute video. All three of them rolled into one. It was nuts, and it was extremely uh, sad or funny depending on your perspective. That Buffalo coach, Don Granato, started all three of them at the beginning of the game. He took them off their respective lines and said, I'm going to have the three of these guys form a line just to like kind of start off the game and like give them a nice little boost from the jump against their former team. And then they gave up a goal within 30 seconds. It was uh, pretty brutal. But I still respect Don Granado's thought process, Dave. I will uh, maintain that that was uh, a good concept and just uh, poor execution on the part of the Sabres.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I'm i sure the, the orders, you know, the marching orders were, okay, go out 30 seconds, you know, enjoy it, get off the ice. And, like, they were pretty close to that. You know, they got the puck in deep. And I, I think some of the credit actually maybe needs to go to, the misfit line, which I think is so funny in all of this. And, you know, I kind of tried to write about it, you know, in this morning's paper for the, you know, for the game story was just like, okay, you have these three former knights out there and, you know, it's sentimental and everybody's, you know, loving it. And then the, like the OGs, did the, the the misfit line, like of all, of all the lines, it wasn't even like it was stone or something. It was like the original knights, the original misfits went out there and just went 2017 on them basically like walked right out of the zone zoomed through the neutral zone had a three on two and then set up like a backdoor tap in like I I was so vintage uh you know misfit so like the fact that it came against them or whatever I I I mean it was just ironic and funny and coincidental and and all that and like the one the one out of it too is Peyton Krebs had gotten off the ice I think he was the one that got a you know avoided the minus on it so you know Good on him if we're gonna, you know, talk about the poor execution, maybe good execution on his part to uh to get off quick. But I, you know, I mean, if we're gonna like break down the game and and things like that and sort of going off something uh, excuse me, that Riley Smith said afterward was, you know, he felt the the Sabres kind of played a little wide open, you know, gave the knights, you know, some rush opportunities. And I think anytime you, you know, play open against the knights and you don't maybe have the skill to match up with them. That's not the best strategy. And, you know, that, that was a weird game. It had sort of that, you know, everybody's sort of leaving before spring break kind of feel to it. And, you know, especially the last 10 minutes, it was just like, okay, everybody go home, nobody get hurt. Um, but I, it just, from that standpoint, it was probably the perfect type of game for the Knights to just, you know, kind of coast into the all-star break.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a, a loose game, I think would be probably the operative word. It was not one where Pete DeBoer is probably going to go back uh, and look at the tape and be very kind of happy with some of the systems and defensive work that his team put on. But it's also one that he's probably like, yeah, their minds were elsewhere, probably from the halfway point of the game on. So who really cares? Because uh, the Knights got a 5-1, I believe, at one point. Um, but it was, you know, cool to obviously see all three of those players back. I think obviously... Alex Tuck kind of had the largest impact on the Knights organization since getting thrown in an expansion draft trade with Minnesota. He actually scored a goal last night and had a couple other good opportunities. He shattered his stick on one and Robin Leonard stopped uh, his breakaway on another. Uh, but it was cool to hear Alex Tuck, uh, you know, talk before the game after the Sabres morning skate and kind of be like, Hey, I, like, I saw what the crowd kind of, you know, did for Marc-Andre Fleury when he came back last month, what they did for Ryan Reeves when he came back. He's like, ah, I kind of hope I get something similar. But, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I'm wearing a different jersey now. So you never know. I guess we'll see. Kind of be, like, wishy-washy about it. And then when the tribute video started, the second Alex Tuck popped on screen, like, the crowd, like, roared. Like, there was just a noticeable change of, like, Hey, Cody Eakin. Oh, yeah. Peyton Krebs was like cool. You know, fans obviously didn't get to know him too much. And then it was like, boom, Alex Tuck, like people are excited. So I think it was cool to see the reaction for him. It was cool that despite obviously a pretty rough game overall for the Savers, he popped uh, quite a bit. What was it like for you to kind of take in the triple reunion last night, Dave?
1: Well, I thought it was noticeable his reaction or I guess maybe non-reaction to scoring. And, you know, maybe some of that had to do with, you know, the score at the time. I think it was that made it 4-1, I believe, if if I'm correct in that. Um, but he just it was almost like that soccer thing, you know, you kind of, you know, sort of tap the badge and, and you don't really, you know, celebrate in front of your old home crowd and, and anything like that. He went by the bench and you kind of see him sort of say something to the, you know, the guy's you know, his teammates, but, but there wasn't like a big, you know, arms in the air fist pump or anything like that. And, and so I, I just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool that, that Alex Tuck sort of sort of gets it, you know, it's one of the things I always appreciated or, or liked about him. And, and it'll be, it'll be cool to see him going forward in Buffalo. I think one of the things, and we have maybe talked about this too, you know, back when the trade happened and, you know, throughout the, you know, the past weeks and, and months, you know, as we've dissected all that is Alex Tuck really, truly wants to be in Buffalo and wants to lead that team. And, and, you know, he, he has an actual affinity, you know, growing up in that area for it. And and he has a pride about putting on that sweater. Uh, And so it'll be, it'll be cool to see kind of going forward, you know, how he develops as a leader, you know, for that team. And, and, and a personality and, you know, a pillar in that community and all those sorts of things. Because like you said, you know, it's something I think he learned, you know, being here. And he's what, 25, 26 now? Like you think of him still as a young guy, but you know, he's been around a little bit and, you know, he's he's getting to that point in his career. And, you know, the other thing I just I, I really quick wanted to say that was that was noticeable at times last night was Peyton Krebs. And I don't want to say what a different player he is, but just you know, the improvement, you know, from the start of the year when he made the, the nights out of training camp. And, you know, he, he flashed a little bit here and there, but but you could kind of tell it was like, okay, maybe he's just not quite ready. And there, there were times last night where, yeah, you know, he's still not ready to dominate a game, but there were other moments where you could see him see the open ice and put pucks there. And it was just like, okay, when he gets teammates that read that too, He's just thinking too far ahead of them, you know, but but when he gets guys around him that are seeing that as well, he starts clicking with guys and, and just, you know, that that team has got some talent on the way, you know, whether it's Owen Power or, you know, Quinn when he gets healthy, Paterka, all, all those, you know, whatever, they're going to have another, you know, probably decent draft pick again. So there's a lot to be, you know, I think optimistic about if you're a Sabres fan and, you know, it's just kind of cool to see, you know, those guys in that sweater and, and, sort of establishing themselves for a new franchise.
0: Well, the end of uh, that game leads us into uh, what's coming up next, which is of course NHL all-star weekend at T-Mobile uh, arena. A quick peek behind the curtain. We had breaking news while we were recording the podcast. The Knights just actually got another representative into the event So uh, it's going to be a very fun time. There's a fanfare at Las Vegas Convention Center's West Hall uh, from Thursday to Sunday. As I previously said, said, the skills competition is Friday. The All-Star Game is Saturday. Uh, If you go to T-Mobile Arena for either event, it's the same procedure as going to a Knights game. Uh, No proof of vaccination is required, but you do have to wear a mask. Uh, The Knights, uh, breaking news, just got a fourth Representative uh, Coach Pete DeBoer is leading the Pacific Division and on the roster uh, are Captain Mark Stone, defensive defenseman Alex Petrangelo and now left wing Jonathan Marcheseau, uh has been added, not as a replacement, it appears, but just they wanted him to go to the event because the NHL is just very nice, uh, apparently, which is cool and obviously cool for him and his family. It's his first all star appearance. Uh, It should be, obviously, a very fun time, and it's very cool to have the event here locally. Uh, Dave, anything you're looking forward to the most? I am. I normally don't
1: give two hoots when it comes to the skills competition, because I just think that stuff is, like, clown show for the most part. I mean, it's cool to see, like, who's the fastest skater, but it's, you know, like, what is it really but so but this year this year's totally different because they're doing those two events on the strip and i really want to see what like this whole card sharks thing with like the oversized you know playing cards and shooting for 21 it's like blackjack or whatever i guess i don't i don't know um like that's cool and then you know, like the other stuff with the fountain and like these guys are get like kinda come out on like a boat, right? Like I, I mean I just I wanna see that. But the whole the whole point of all this and like coming to Vegas and like okay, make it an extravaganza is let's do it up. And that seems pretty cool. So if there's anything I actually wanna see, it's it's those two.
0: Yeah, so for those that uh, aren't aware, the NHL is doing this thing called the Fountain Face-Off where they're going to uh, the Bellagio Fountains for one of the seven skills competition events uh, to find out kind of how they are inspired to create this event. Please check out uh, Friday's paper of the Review Journal. Um, so that's going to be really cool. They're going to have guys on like a kind of, they're going to boat them out to like a quote-unquote rink on the Bellagio Fountains, and they're going to shoot at targets, which is random and cool. And then for, yeah, the card shark ones that Dave's describing, I believe their, like, official name is the NHL 21 in 22. They're going to have just giant cards hanging from Las Vegas Boulevard. Guys are going to shoot at them. And basically what they hit is going to become their hand. And just like in blackjack, they're going to try to get to 21 without going over. And whoever can get, like, 221 in the least amount of shots, I think, wins. Uh, it's just very unique and interesting. And I talked to uh, NHL Chief Content Officer Steve Mayer uh, a bunch a couple of days ago about, you know, kind of their thought process behind this event. And a lot of it was like, we need to be big. We need to make this Vegasy. You know, they know like up and down the strip, there's obviously a ton of entertainment options. They know that the Pro Bowl is in town on Sunday, and the East-West Shrine Game for college football is in town on Thursday. So there's a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar in town, and so. I think those two events are definitely the NHL kind of going all out to stand out during this weekend. And uh yeah, as you kinda of pointed out, Dave, I think it's gonna make for a really unique and kind of cool, you know, atmosphere and kind of scenery and everything like that.
1: Yeah, and that's excuse <clears throat> me, that's the way it should be, right? Like take advantage of it, you know. I mean, it's warm weather. Well, I mean, maybe not today warm weather, but hopefully by the weekend, you know, it it it's not like St. Louis, where when we were out there, it was freezing, you know? And if they do something fun, it's, you know, they stuck those guys up on a platform and they're shooting, you know, down to the rink where it was like, okay, it's full, it's cool, it's like different, they're trying something. But, you know, like this is very Vegas. And I think that's what people want to see, you know? You want to see Evil Knievel like, Jumping over the you know the fountains of Caesars and all this stuff. So, like, get out there and do that type of stuff. Like, you know, take advantage of the city and, and whatever. And like, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of crossover. But like, we saw somebody at the uh, was Matthew Judon uh, from the Patriots, I believe, doing the rally siren at the Knights game. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's a way to do any kind of crossover with the Pro Bowl. But there's like a whole other event going on here too. You know, and and I'm not saying like there's competition per se, but, you know, there's competition (laughs) like, you know, the NHL, NFL, like there's a lot going on. So if you're going to keep up and you're going to like catch people's attention and you're going to make this Vegas. Yeah. You know, let's let's see. It's like one of the coolest things I thought about the Tahoe game was the whole, you know, like golf course and and, okay, we're going to have somebody like shooting on the 18th. Or on the seventeenth hole, you know, and and all that with Nathan McKinnon, like yeah, like use the environment, you you
0: know, make it fun that way. Yeah, totally, and I think that's exactly what the NHL is going for. I mean, let's be honest, this is a uh, host uh, kind of city that has projected a giant squid onto the ice and sliced up a giant jet this year. And I, I talked to Nice President Gary Buboltz, a couple days ago, and he was kind of like, "Look, like the league, like." loves the stuff that we do in terms of our in arena presentation and they want to kind of take some of that stuff and apply it to how they approach this all-star weekend which is going to be interesting to watch uh the other kind of big thing to pull out of this event which i think is going to be interesting dave is uh obviously there have been quite a few ties between this city and uh you know the league over the past couple years especially with the knights coming to town now they're in their fifth season but Even before the Knights were here, the NHL's award show was here for a while. You mentioned they've done an outdoor game uh, at Lake Tahoe in Stateline, Nevada. Uh, Now it'll be interesting to see with having an uh, all-star weekend here, whether that paves paves the way for more stuff like a draft or an outdoor game. And, um, you know, no one so far, I think, on the NHL side is kind of quite Bitten yet, but I, I don't think owner Bill Foley has been like shy about like you know we want more give us more and this could lead to more stuff in the future yeah so
1: let me go back to one thing really quick just because I wanted a plug so you know one of the things from before like one of the early all-star games I remember attending uh Jake Wagner from the Golden Knights he, he's no longer with the organization but like he was brought in by the NHL to do the The soundtrack, like the in arena soundtrack, do the music. And I know DJ Joe Green, who does, you know, the Knights soundtrack in game, you know, work. Now he's he's gonna be doing the all-star game. So like you talked about, you know, just the NHL and how they love what the Knights do in the production. And like that's just another example of it that, you know, they have all these other people that they can choose from and bring in. And, you know, the person that they want doing it is is somebody from the Knights, somebody right there you know, in their backyard for this. But, um, to your point, to the other thing, just real quick. Yeah. Bill Foley has been, you know, I think from day one, always pushing and always push for a draft that that seems to be an event that he's always really wanted. Seems to think it would work well here. Um, I I think at some point we'll see that that only seems logical, but you know, maybe the big one, maybe the, the big fish out there is, 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 yeah, like an outdoor game, you know, um, I think, I think. We asked Gary Bettman a few years ago, you know, you know, before Allegiant Stadium was was built, about you know doing a game, you know, like that here, a stadium game or something. Um, and he kind of kind of scoffed and said, "Well, you know, it'll have a dome on it, you know, whatever, you know." Oh, okay, you know, fair point, Gary. But you know, at this point, I think they've shown that they can be creative here. And if it's a stadium series game in an indoor, you know venue maybe um heck what the first one we see the the video clips from 1991 when the kings played here um and the grasshoppers and everything like they've gotten creative you know in vegas here before and that was 30 years ago or whatever it was so i'm sure you know if they can find an area to like build a rink on the on the strip or do something fun or 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 wacky or creative like they're gonna figure out a way to do it here and Make it big, you know, if it's like Tahoe and it's just like a made-for-TV and you can't buy tickets, you know, okay. But, uh, like, I could totally see that. And if there's one city on
0: the NHL map that that it could work in, you know, this is the place. No, I totally agree. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, whether that's something that is able to take place moving forward. Uh, talking to, yeah, Steve Mayer, the NHL's chief content officer. He did kind of, when I asked him about some of this stuff, be like, You know, like, obviously, like, all this stuff would be cool in Las Vegas, but just, yeah, like, keep in mind, we've got 32 kind of different mouths to feed. And so we do like to, I think the phrase he used was, like, we do like to share the love a little bit. So we'll see if the Knights need to kind of take a break for a little bit between events before the NHL comes back here. But obviously, uh, I think the league would obviously agree that doing more stuff here makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Last thing before... Because we got to talk about uh, some business that went down over last weekend. Uh, On Sunday, the Knights were off after a four-game road trip out east and kind of resting before they got ready for yesterday's game against the Buffalo Sabres. And they got three different extensions done. Uh, Braden McNabb got a three-year deal. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason, and now he's going to get a little bump where his current contract pays him uh, $2.5 million annually. Now he'll make two point eight five million dollars annually. Uh, right wing Michael Amadio, who was a waiver pickup in October, got a two year extension uh, worth you know about seven hundred and sixty two thousand five hundred dollars. And then goaltender Logan Thompson, who of course we uh, saw make his first NHL start last month, and who was previously mentioned was our guest on a special edition of the Golden Edge podcast on uh, Monday. He had talked to us. A couple days prior to that, but kind of hinted when we asked him about kind of his contract stuff that maybe something was in the works. He got a three year extension worth $766,667 just to give people a general cap overview as a reminder. uh, So all these extensions are official, but they don't affect the night's salary cap or what these players are making this year. They start all of these extensions at the beginning of next season. Uh, that said, in terms of if you're curious about how the Knights cap picture is affected next year with now these moves, uh, the team is scheduled to be basically be like right up against the cap already with the deals that they have in place um with like a guy like Riley Smith is still set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. And then players like Nicholas Waugh, Nick Hague, Keegan Colasar and Brett Howden are restricted free agents, uh, plus the Knights have a bunch of RFAs that are kind of like Henderson guys. Um, so that's kind of the general overview. Uh, but where I kind of want to start all of this, and I haven't totally wrapped my brain around how all of this business stuff is going to end up shaking out because we've been busy with you know games and All-Star Weekend and everything, but I feel like it's probably not a coincidence, Dave, that uh, all of these deals get agreed to uh, as seemingly Jack Eichel kind of gets closer and closer to potentially making a return at some point here, which will cause, you know, a bunch of salary cap ripple effects for the Golden Knights. Uh, just like how I think it was not coincidental that uh, defenseman Zach Whitecloud agreed to an extension earlier this year. I think only like six-ish days before the Knights ended up training for Eichel, uh, I think. Seems like it might be them setting themselves up for some cost certainty in the future before they have to make some decisions in the present. So what do you uh, make of kind of the timing of all these deals and kind of the decisions the Knights have made here?
1: Well, okay. So, and I think you kind of touched on a little bit, like let's make the clear distinction that none of these actually affect their salary cap. Like right now, it's all for next year. It kicks in next year. These are all extensions. So it's not like they can, you know, look at it and take the numbers and say, oh, okay, well, this is how we're going to do it. But but, like you said, it's, it's that cost certainty that the Golden Knights like to have. It's that knowledge and, and being able to plan for the future. And so what I think it it maybe indicates or says is, is, is where those three, you know, really stand, you know, with the team and, and maneuvering around them. You know, I think – It's interesting in terms of Amadio because, you know, you look at if they're going to do this, you need productive guys who are cheap. Let's just let's just call it like it is, you know, and, and, you know, you've got some other guys in your bottom six who are making one point seven, five, one point eight, two million, you know, like so to get somebody who can be productive on a fourth line, uh, maybe even fill in if needed on a third line. Uh, not rock the boat if he's a 13th forward, you know, all those types of things and do it at essentially the league minimum. Like those are the types of guys that they're going to need to find going forward if they're going to make all of the salary cap stuff work. So, you know, good on Michael Amadio. I mean, yeah, I'll be the first one to admit. I think it was like four or five games into his tenure here. I was kind of like, oof, like this is, this has got to improve. He's just not not where they need somebody right now, and and he seemed like a warm body. And Pete DeBoer kind of, you know, bristled at that notion that he was brought in is just, you know, a, a stopgap, a filler. You know that that their scouts actually had good reports on him and they liked him. And and you know, again, he's, you know, he's he's worked. It's like anybody else. You know, you get an opportunity in, in your job and you do well at it, and the bosses and and. And people in charge say, "Okay, well, let's keep that person around," you know. And and I, I think effectively that's what you know sort of happened to Amadio. And and you know, I think I think th- the other one is is Logan Thompson. And and I think we talked about this pretty extensively. And I probably did a big long spiel like I'm like I'm doing now. And in, in terms of how I think it spells for the f- or what I think it spells for the future, and the fact that you know he's more than three times cheaper than than Brossois and you can save effectively like 1.6 million i think you know in real dollars you know if and when logan thompson takes over as a backup and i don't think it'll happen this year i don't think the knights would put themselves you know in that position but i absolutely think it spells that the knights think that logan thompson is very close to nhl ready if not nhl ready and You know what? I think the last two years of his contract are one way, if if I remember right. I I think I'm getting all
0: yes, which one way contract means basically he gets paid the same if he's in the minors or in the NHL. So next year, the first year of Logan Thompson's extension, he makes one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars if he's in the minors. He makes uh you know seven fifty K if he's in the NHL. Um that's not his AAV, but like I said, AAV means average annual value, so it's kind of, you know, uh, averaged over the life of the contract. But basically, it's a significant difference next year, whereas in year two of the contract, which also happens to be the year that Brossois becomes a free agent again, Thompson's uh, minors and NHL salary are equivalent, which basically means there's, you know, no point really to keep him down in the minors at that point. So I think it's a pretty clear signal as to what is probably going to end up happening with him down the road. Yeah.
1: And it's just a kind of a more a matter of like how quickly I think, you know, does it happen? Can they pull the, you know, pull the, I don't want to say pull the trigger. I hate that phrase, but that's what was coming out of my mouth. Um, You know, on, on, on it this summer and just, you know, do they make him the backup? You know, is he the guy or, you know, do they continue with sort of where they're at this year, keep him the number three and you know, and then like you said, run, you know, bro free agency and then you've just got your ready-made backup at that point. Like there's, there's a number of different ways that they can go with this, but I think, you know, the fact that they locked him up for three years, the fact that they, you know, gave him that one way portion of the deal, I think really, you know, shows their commitment to him. I think it shows where they feel like he's at and what they think he can, you know,
0: provide for the organization in a year or two here. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out now that all three of these guys are under contracts. Um, like I said, McNabb was going to hit unrestricted free agency uh, this offseason, whereas Thompson and Amadio were going to be restricted free agents. Um, it was interesting because someone on uh, Twitter asked me, you know, like basically, hey, what do you think of these contracts? And the kind of obvious and correct answer is what, you know, everyone thinks of these contracts. Depends what will actually happen when these contracts start. But if you just kind of look at like, especially if you look at McNabb, like what kind of the market was uh, for defensemen last year, like I'm looking at um, a guy like Derek Forbert who signed with the Boston Bruins, um, a three-year deal with a $3 million average annual value. Do I think I'd rather have McNabb? I kind of think I would. Um, There's also, you know, a lot of other kind of similar kind of blue line guys like that, like uh, Tucker Pullman who, Uh, place for the Vancouver Canucks, got $2.5 million over four years, uh, which uh, I think he's definitely a significant step down for McNabb. So to get him for $2.85 million over three years, I think you can say you're obviously saving yourself some money and you're kind of locking up your kind of blue line uh, for years to come because now you've got Petrangelo, Martinez, Theodore, McNabb. Uh, and White Cloud all under contract for multiple years here with Hag being a restricted free agent this offseason. So if you're able to get him done him done, and fit him under the cap, you've got all six of those guys around for a while. And then, as you said, if you can get any sort of production from Amadio and Thompson at kind of near minimum deals, I think they're both a little bit above the league minimum, but they're not that far above the league minimum. Um, if you can get cheap production from those guys, that is so key. For the Golden Knights uh, moving forward that those deals, if you can get guys to agree to them, I think almost become no brainers for the team at this point.
1: Yeah, it's just the value, you know, like anytime you can squeeze value like that out of, you know, anything that's that's the the best way to go about doing business. And, you know, like to go to just to go to McNabb really quick, like I don't have any any knowledge on this, but I mean, I think it's fair, like and, and you tell me if I'm crazy on this, but. I think, you know, based on Forbes or based on some other guys, like three and a half, four million, you know, on an open market, if you got like three years, you know, maybe four or something like that. Like, I don't think that's out of the question that he could have walked to UFA and and got that. And then, <clears throat> so like, and then the other the other part of that or the, or the conversation is sort of the, well, he doesn't produce this, you know, well, well, you know what, and to me, Sometimes there's value in guys that aren't necessarily always producing points. They do other things. And you look at McNabb and, okay, like, I think – I don't remember who it was that joked about this. And I hope I can say this on on our podcast. And Keith Moyer, Glenn Cook, I'm sorry if, if the FCC comes after us. But I'm only using the quote that Jared Glant said. But I, I don't remember who joked about this. But it's like they said, you know, the Knights are paying for three years of ass checks from – from Brayden McNabb, which is funny, but like, yeah, okay. You're getting those, those big hits along the wall, but you're also getting like block shots and you're also getting a guy who's, you know, in the community, in that locker room, you know, a guy who like, this is the other thing too. Like we always hear about this. Brayden McNabb's always very quiet with us, you know, kind of very middle. He's the most like talkative guy on the team when it comes to like on ice communication and all that sort of things. Like there's so many different things and measures, you know, of a player and, and what goes into a guy's value and worth and what they bring to a team. So, yeah, you know, because Brady McNabb only scores maybe 10 to 13 points a, a season or something like that, you know, you go, oh, he's getting 2.85. Like, what are they doing? It's overpaid. Like, nothing, you know, sometimes you need that that partner. You need that glue guy. You know, Eric Carlson needed Mark Mathot in Ottawa. And, and, you know, when you get away from that guy, sometimes that, that security blanket, you know, some, sometimes – you know, they struggle and there's something to be said for, you know, a guy like Brady McNabb, who you put him, you know, with anybody who can rush the puck and they always seem to do better. And, you know, Brady, excuse me, Brady McNabb takes care of, you know, that one end of the ice and lets the other guy flourish. And and why wouldn't you want a guy like that on your team?
0: Yeah. To use an old uh, George McPhee phrase, you need different flavors. On your blue line. And McNabb kind of provides more of that rugged physicality, you know, stalwart defensive flavor. But, you know, when he's paired with a guy like Shea Theodore, they end up doing really well together. And so uh, it makes sense that the Knights wanted to keep him around if they could afford to do so. It makes sense for McNabb. I think he's obviously enjoyed his five seasons in Las Vegas, and it makes sense why he would want to keep it going. And we'll see what that potentially leads to when it comes to other night's uh business decisions that they might have to make in the coming weeks and for sure will have to make uh in the coming months whenever the off season comes for them whether it comes uh in you know early may or potentially much later into the summer depending on how they do in the postseason uh but that's going to do it for this edition of the golden edge podcast as a reminder we are brought to you by the las vegas review journal check out all our coverage at reviewjournal.com and pick up Friday's paper if you want some great all-star weekend preview stuff we are also presented by Blue Wire. and if you could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts please do this one we would very much appreciate it as I've said a couple times we have a podcast that came out on Monday with newly re-signed or extended Golden Knights goaltender Logan Thompson Uh, he was really great talking about uh, his kind of career to this point how he got to where he is and uh, as a tease, I'll say why General Manager Kelly McCrimmon owes him a case of beer. So uh, please check that conversation out. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben go He's David Chain. We'll talk to you guys again real soon.